0: so excited to be with you this morning. Pastor Brad uh, got the opportunity to take a road trip with a couple of his boys. Caleb wanted to go visit a a college up in Indiana, so they spent a lot of time on the road this week. And so, um, you know, we're we're talking about rest and we're preaching on rest. And so Brad was like, hey, I I think I want to probably practice that right now. And so he asked me to speak to you guys. And so I'm, I'm honored to be with you. I'm so glad that you're all here joining us. It's so good to all be in, in kind of one service for a little while. It's so good to have everyone under one roof. Sometimes when we have two services, it's kind of hard to remember who even comes to church when you're just used to going to one service. So it's so, uh, it's so great to have a little change of pace here as we end our year. Um, these last couple months, like we said last week, and I'll remind us that we're going to have one service until the end of the year, and uh, we've, we've decided to push all of our Sunday night events that we were scheduled to do um, this fall, we're going to push those into the spring of 2021, and, and really we're just doing this under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and um, we're trusting Him in this process. You know, we're, we're trying not to just tell you about rest, but actually practice it, right? And so that's our heart, that's our desire, is that not just us as a church organization would do this, but that we as families, as the church, because that's, how many of you know we are the church? That's our heart and our prayer would be that everyone, every one of you, all of our families would participate in this and, and ask the Holy Spirit, what, what do we need to do as a family to respond to this message of rest? Amen? So that's our heart. So we're just going to dive right in. I'll do a little bit of a recap. Um, We've been in a couple of passages of Scripture primarily. One is Psalm 62, so we'll put it up on the screen. Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2 says this. It says, Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, and I will never be shaken. It's so such, such a good truth. And we've also been in Matthew chapter 11. We'll spend some time there again today. Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30 says this, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you, say it with me, rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light couple of things that we've been saying over the last couple of weeks is this religion will keep you from finding rest relationship with God is the only way to find rest that's kind of been the heart of where we've been and we're we're going to continue along this vein and I, I began to think about this week how we all came to know Jesus you know it talks about in Psalm 62 how he's our rock he's our salvation right and I think Pretty much everybody in here, I I don't know if if everyone has received salvation yet and you'll have an opportunity to do that later in the service, but I would say that most people in the room and most people watching have had a salvation experience in their life. And I don't know how exactly it happened for you, but I know that at some point in your life, the Holy Spirit spoke to you and you encountered the power and the presence of God in, in, in a real way. And you had a moment, whether it was in a service like this, maybe it was when you were a child, Maybe you were at your house or maybe you were visiting another church. I don't know what your personal experience was, but you had a moment where you felt God's presence and you felt his voice calling you to him into relationship with him, right? And it was everything in your heart. All you wanted to do, your only desire was, Lord, I just want to follow you. I just want to be your son, be your daughter. I just want to be in a relationship with you. And then I think most of our story probably goes something like this, where that was our heart and that was our desire. And then for some reason it just started changing, right? And religion unknowingly starts to creep in. And and I I wanna illustrate it this way. So I wanna ask Pastor Anthony to come up. He didn't know about this, but go ahead and come up, Pastor Anthony. Give him a round of applause. He's gonna help us with an example. So like I said, we're going to pretend Pastor Anthony, he's, he's just now, he, he's wanting to give his life to Jesus and we're so thankful, amen. Oh, hallelujah, Pastor Anthony's giving his life to Jesus, right? And so he's had this moment, right, maybe it was just after a powerful worship encounter and he, he can't even get past the message because all he wants to do is give his life to Christ. And it's, it's it just, we've all had that feeling, we, we remember that, Right? And so he comes to the altar and we say the prayer and we rejoice and we're like, yes, awesome. And then being the well-intentioned church going people that we are, it quickly turns to this. Hey, uh, you, need to, you need to read this and learn about who God is. And then when you're done with that, you need to go to this class, it's called Foundations. And you, it's, gonna, it's gonna really help you go, okay. And then after you do that, be sure you pick up one of these in the four-year. It's called Who I Am in Christ. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be amazing. It's going to teach all about your identity in Christ. Okay. Are you with me? you good. Okay. Okay. And then after you do that, um, I don't know if you have kids or not, because I haven't really talked to you that much, but this is a pamphlet <laughs> called Praying for My Children. And you need, you need to learn how to do that. And then I really don't know if you're married uh, to, to the girl that walked in or not, but um, this is called Praying for My Spouse. And, and if you need to get married, we can help you do that, but you need to learn how to pray for your spouse. and then oh, we have this amazing program for your kids that you, you can sign them up. Oh, do you have kids? I don't know. Um, and then there's, there's this event, and you can go to that. And oh, by the way, you need to download our app so you can stay connected. And um, I don't know if you've, if you've gone through anything recently, but this is all about how to grieve properly. And oh, this is an amazing resource, Brother Anthony. Oh, this is gonna teach you. This is the map of success for Christian life, so go ahead and take that. Oh, and don't forget, you need to give, okay? You need to give. And uh, oh, if you haven't filled out one of our connection cards, go ahead and do that. And oh, Freedom in Christ, oh my gosh, you have to go to Freedom in Christ. I don't know what you're dealing with, but you can go to Freedom. That card will help you sign up easily, and if you need any help, just let me know. And... Um, I just want, you're, you're a man, and I, you have to learn how to be a man, okay? Not, not worldly manhood, but biblical manhood. So these are two amazing resources by amazing guy, John Eldred's Wild at Heart, Fathered by God, okay? And then, like I said, you need to learn how to give. This is, a, this is an amazing resource. I know it's thick, but you can get through it. And this is all about money and possessions and eternity, and it's amazing. Oh, this is a really, oh, good or God, oh, one of my favorites, you should learn that. Oh, and you know we had this incredible encounter with Jesus just now? And you really should learn more about worship. And so I wanna give you that. If that's all free, there's no charge. We just want you to, we just want you to just to know how to do this now that you've you know, you become saved. Amen. And I just wanted to just give that to you and I hope to see you soon. I can't okay? read. Oh, you can't read, okay, okay. <laughs> well, 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 we'll get you with somebody, we'll set you up with somebody to teach you how to read and uh, we'll just take it from there. Hey, I love you though, I love you. I just want you to know that I love you and I hope to see you next week. Be sure to come next week, okay? All right, all right. Right, but you see how that goes? And hear me out. Every one of those things is a good resource. Every one of those things, every event that we've ever done, every book that we've recommended, every class that we've done or currently do, they're all good, right? But Anthony didn't want any of that. He just wanted Jesus. And unintentionally, what we've done as the church, I'm not saying just harvest, I'm saying the church, okay? All churches do this. We're all guilty of this. And we didn't intend to do this, but we we turned what was meant for relationship into religion. Do this. Do this. When you get done with that, do this. Oh, we didn't even talk about, oh, you need to get rid of all that music that you used to listen to and... Don't read that book anymore and don't watch that TV show anymore, but you see what I'm saying? And unintentionally I mean, we are good intentioned, well intentioned people that I truly do love people. But we've turned what was meant to be relationship into religion. And where is it getting us? Where is it getting us? It was never meant to be that way. Now If those things will help my relationship, then I'm all about it. But that's kind of where we are as a church. Just to fill you in a little bit more, we're saying, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us and say, what are you doing? Are you doing all this stuff just because I told you to do it 20 years ago and now you're still doing it? Have you actually heard from me about what you need to do now? That's where we are. And just to be completely vulnerable, we're just saying all we want to know, Holy Spirit, is what you're leading us to do right now. We don't want to do all that stuff just to do it. We want to do it because you're telling us to. Because if we're just doing that stuff because we're, we're supposed to do it, it's not going to produce rest. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to read Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 again. And this is in the Message Bible. Um, I really love the way it puts it. It says this, it says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love the way that, that the author puts that. It's saying much, pretty much the same exact thing as what we read earlier, but it puts us in a language that we can really catch on to. And I love what he says about the unforced rhythms of grace. How many of you are ready to start to walk in an unforced rhythm of grace. I know I am. That's where our heart is. We're saying, Lord, teach us how to walk in the unforced rhythms of grace. He's saying, for a moment, you might actually have to cease from physical labor and and actually take a physical rest, but really the heart of that verse is not talking about ceasing from activity, right? He's saying, I want to put a yoke on you that is custom fit for you. I want to put a work, a job, a task on you that's fit for you. Right. Think about this. A yoke is what? It was what was placed on an ox so that the ox could plow, right? right? If it is ill-fitting, it's going to do one or two things. If it's too small, it's going to constrict, right? Oxygen just is less. Those muscles can't flex and do what they need to do. Why? Because the yoke was too tight, didn't fit. But on the other side, if it's too big, what is it going to do? It's going to rub everything. It's going to cause pain. Either way, it's going to cause pain. It's, it's going to be either a restricting pain or constricting pain, or it's going to be a pain of being so ill fitted that every time you try to move, it rubs, right? And then it doesn't, it's, it's all moving around the shoulders. And so the, all these. Other muscles that were never meant to be used are gonna have to be activated to try to stabilize and keep this thing on as we're going, right? And he's saying, my yoke is easy because it's not ill-fitting. Right and so what, what used to be fitting may not be fitting anymore. Right? right? Yeah. What, what used to work for you may not work right now. And in fact, what got us here is not gonna be the same thing that takes us where we need to go. Yeah. It's ill-fitting. And so it's gonna cause more pain. And that's not what we wanna be. So learning from God means learning the unforced rhythms of grace. I wanna talk a little bit more about this, this kind of tension between grace and religion, but really what we're talking about I want, I want us to understand a little bit about the context of where the people were at where, that Jesus was talking to in Matthew 11. Okay, So it would be easy for us to think that Jesus was speaking to a bunch of sinners, a bunch of like pagan people that have never known any type of religious anything. But he wasn't. He was talking to people who had been bound up in a bondage of religion their whole lives. When he's saying, come to me, I will give you rest, he's talking to people that had been in this religious system of the day their whole lives. That's what he's talking to. And so he was speaking about this worn out religious system and he's saying, if you will abandon this religious system and come to me, I'm about to become a perpetual rest. See, they knew something about, was something called the Sabbath that we don't really understand much of. And we've tried, a bit, we've tried to learn about it. We've tried to talk about it a little bit, but they would have, underst- they would have understood the word Sabbath and the law that was required for Sabbath, right? Yeah. And so Jesus is trying to tell them that, hey, we're not talking about mandating, mandating you keeping the Sabbath on a particular day. We're talking about me becoming your Sabbath, your perpetual rest, but before we even get there, I want us just to read in Deuteronomy. Because I don't even think why we even remember or know. I think we've missed it. Why God even gave a Sabbath in the law. So Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 5, verses 14 and 15 in the New Living Translation says this. says, The seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen, and your donkeys and other livestock and any foreigners living among you and all of your male and female servants must rest as you do. Now we understand that part. That's pretty much all we know, right? Is that verse 14 is don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, right? It was law, but we have to go to the next verse, verse 15, Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Did you catch that? God gave man a Sabbath in the law to remember that we used to be slaves. See, in the old covenant, we were slaves. We were slaves to a law, to a written law. In the new covenant, God says, you were no longer slaves, your sons, your daughters. In the old covenant, you were a slave. In the new covenant, you are a son. And if if you're a woman, just say daughter. You are a child of God. But we're still walking in a slave mentality. Galatians 4, 7 says it this way. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God made you his heir. Romans 8, 14 through 16 says it this way. For all who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. 1 John 3.1 says it this way. We could do this all day. I'll stop with this one. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't even recognize that we are God's children because they don't even know him. The point is this, you are no longer a slave. You're a child of God. And we will never enter into the perpetual rest that Jesus offers if we don't truly believe that we're sons and daughters of God. I want you to think about your, your children, especially when they're little. Karis, my little Karis is two. Do you think she worries about her next meal? no. Do you think she worries about the bills? No, she doesn't even know what a bill is. She doesn't even have a concept of money. She just knows that whatever she needs, she's going to get. Why? Because she's a child that has parents who are going to take care of her. She doesn't worry. She doesn't fear. That's learned behavior and it's learned behavior of a religious system. So you may have heard the message of sonship, I'm no longer slaves, All that. you may have heard that for the last 20 years, but I want you to ask yourself, are you living in worry? Yeah. Am I worried about if I'm gonna have enough money at the end of this month? Right? Am I, am I worried about going to the doctor because I'm, I'm, I'm really scared about what they might say, right? If we really ask ourselves these tough questions, then we'll be able to see pretty quickly, am I truly believing in my heart that I'm a child of God? Because if I did, I wouldn't worry. It wouldn't matter what happened. I know my dad's gonna take care of me. That is the spirit of adoption that is offered to us if we would believe. It says what? The work of the believer is to believe. Amen? Sabbath rest is about Jesus rescuing his people, not from a physical bondage, but from a spiritual bondage called religion. See, he's telling them in that Deuteronomy passage, he's saying, remember that you were a slave. Now, they were slaves physically. I don't think any of us have ever been slaves physically. So we don't understand it like they would have understood it. So what he's saying to us is, I'm not, I'm not saying this is a rescuing from a physical bondage of slavery, but you are under bondage called religion. And I'm here to rescue you from that. The Sabbath reminds us that Jesus brought us out of that slavery how by the blood of the lamb the work is finished because of the cross and you may have thought i forgot about it let's but let's make our declaration cuz this is what we're saying when we say i am covered by and submitted to the blood of jesus that's what we're saying i'm no longer a slave i'm a child of god i don't have to fear i don't have to worry My dad's going to take care of me because I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the Most High King. See, Jesus absolutely came to deliver us from the bondage of sin. And that's basically our message for centuries is get free from sin. But I really believe that it's a lot easier to get free from the bondage of sin than it is to get free from the bondage of religion. He came to do both. Galatians 4, three through seven says this in the Passion Bible. It says, when we were juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. But when that era came to an end and the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the written law. Yet all of this was so that he would redeem and set free all those held hostage to the written law so that we would receive our freedom and a full legal adoption as his children. If anybody's ever been through the adoption process, you understand the weight of that right there. And so that we would know for sure that we are his true children. God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry intimately, my father, you're our true father. Now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, we can access everything our father has. For we are heirs of God through Jesus, the Messiah. See, we will never find rest until you receive redemption from religious mindsets and enter into the relationship of being a child of God. We, we just can't do it. Because religion is all about striving, right? It's all about external behavior. It's all about do this or don't do that to earn favor or earn, earn acceptance. Trust me, I know, I'm really good at that. I'm super good, I'm not trying to be boastful, I'm just saying I learned how to be really good at going after something and achieving it. but it didn't get me rest for my soul. Religion is an old covenant mindset and it's all about works. In the new covenant, it's all about the restoration of relationship between God and man through grace. Through grace. So how do we do this? Romans 12, two says it this way. And do not be conformed to this world Rather, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, I don't know if you understand the difference between conformity and transformation, but conformity is a failed attempt to bring transformation into people and to societies. It's all about placing rules and regulations on people so that they can be forced into some form of change. Conform, right? Conform. The world's tried to do it over and over, right? And as the church, we've tried to do it too. Conform to this image, right? If you don't look like us, then maybe you're not welcome here. That's what religion has said. Conform, look like this, do this and don't do that, over and over and over. But you see, that does not work. It doesn't work in churches, it doesn't work in societies like nations, it doesn't work in political systems, aka socialism, communism, right? It doesn't work. And God knows that. That's why He says, do not be conformed to the world. Rather, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, transformation comes from the inside out. We live this life of faith from an inward, outward reality. That's how how we're supposed to and called to live this life. Your spirit, upon salvation, instantly becomes like God. And we're called to let the spirit of God that is indwelling in in us, in you, to influence every area from our soul and then outward to where eventually people will see the fruit of what has happened internally, right? So transformation is, in that context, is the Greek word metamorpho. Sounds like a funny word, but it's where we get our word for metamorphosis, right? It's where we get our word for Metamorphosis. Now, last night, like many nights, I read this book to my daughter. And you may know what this book is. It's called The Very Hungry Caterpillar, right? And so just to refresh your, your memory, I'll read it real quick, okay? <laughs> Story time with Pastor Kirby. In the light of the moon, a little egg lay on a leaf. One Sunday morning, it's appropriate, see, the warm sun came up and and this is my daughter's turn, she always says pop and pop out of the egg came a tiny and very hungry caterpillar. He started to look for some food. And on Monday he ate through one apple, but he was still hungry. And on Tuesday he ate through two pears, but he was still hungry. And on Wednesday he ate through three plums, but he was still hungry. On Thursday, he ate through four strawberries, but he was still hungry. On Friday, he ate through five oranges, but he was still hungry. This is the good page, right? On Saturday, he ate through one piece of chocolate cake, one ice cream cone, one pickle, one slice of Swiss cheese, one slice of salami, one lollipop, one piece of cherry pie, one sausage, one one cupcake, and one slice of watermelon. That night, he had a stomach ache. Yeah, the next day, was Sunday again. here we back. We're back to Sunday. The caterpillar ate through one nice green leaf. And after that, he felt much better. And now he wasn't hungry anymore, and he wasn't a little caterpillar anymore. He was a big fat caterpillar. <laughs> he built a small house, called a cocoon around himself, and he stayed inside for more than 2 weeks. Then He nibbled a hole in the cocoon, pushed his way out, and, right, he was a beautiful butterfly. So I know that's a sweet little children's story, but I think we can learn a lot from that. You see, the caterpillar, he doesn't wait for something external to be thrust upon him so that he can change into a butterfly. What does he do? Everything, literally everything that the caterpillar needs to transform from a caterpillar to a butterfly is written on his DNA. And everything that you need to be a mature child of God is written on your spiritual DNA. But the problem is, we're, we're striving for it. We're working at it. And God is saying to us today, hey, do you realize, Kirby, that when you're working, I'm resting? And when you're resting, I'm working? Who do you want to do the work? I'll say that again. Hey, this is just me, him speaking to me because this is about me too, okay? I've had to do this myself. Hey, Kirby, do you realize that when you're working, I'm resting. But when you're resting, I'm actually working for you. It says that he ministers to us in our sleep. We sing the song all the time, Waymaker, right? He never stops working. Well, when we're trying to go after something that he's already done, he's like, "I'm not working. I'm not in that." That's all you. And see, what we've done is we've heard the voice of the Lord say, hey, you need to do this. And then we say, okay, I got it from here. And then we run and we strive and we try to make it the best and we try to make it excellent. And we try to do all this stuff and we run and we run and we run and we run and we fail to go back to God and hear him and even see if we're supposed to be doing that anymore. Right? We turn relationship into religion. Let's go back to the caterpillar. What does he do? He learns how to eat properly. And then he goes, whatever, however it signals, I don't know, but there's an innate signal within that caterpillar that says, hey, it's time to build a cocoon. So he finds his way around life and he, he starts eating pretty well, right? He gets he's getting the proper nourishment. And then he goes to all this other stuff that looks pretty good, right? but it's not profitable. <laughs> and then he, he gets sick and then he says, oh, well, I gotta go back to what I know is good for me. And he eats right, he gets some healing and then he just goes into the cocoon. You know what he does in that cocoon? Nothing. <laughs> he just rests and let what God put inside of his DNA do the work for it. And then a couple weeks later he comes out and he looks completely different. He, he went from a little insect that has to slowly work its way around to try to find food to a butterfly that can fly anywhere in the world, like that. But he didn't do it himself. It came from a place of rest. Everything you need to become a child of God that's mature and walking in your calling and your divine destiny, it's already written into your DNA. But we're going to go back to what Julie was, was speaking to us about from the very beginning in her, in her prayer. What are you eating? What are you eating? See, where was religion born? Where was religion born? It was born in the garden. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What is religion? It's man's knowledge of what's good for you and what's bad for you. That's religion. And we eat of it every day. When he's calling us to eat the green leaf, which is the tree of life, but we choose on a daily, even sometimes moment by moment basis to go to that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because this is why, Proverbs fourteen twelve says it this way: There is a way which seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. Yeah. You notice that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is also the tree of the knowledge of good. We always think that it's evil, but you know what? That's not, the evil part's not it's what is enticing. What's enticing is the knowledge of good. Yeah. We want to go after what's good for us, but we do it in our own understanding, yeah. and it. It seems profitable. It seems right. It's the way that seems right. The caterpillar th- saw all those delicious treats and that seemed right, but it ended in a tummy ache, <laughs> spiritual death. That's where this will end you. That's, where, that's the way that seems right. That's where it, it'll lead you. But the, but the tree of life is what God is calling us to eat of today. Man ate our way into this problem and we must eat our way out of this problem. We ate our way into the problem by eating of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil and that will not produce rest in your life. It will only produce striving and a lot of work to try to get something that you already have through Jesus. But the tree of life leads you to a place of relationship where you can get the nourishment that you need. So we have to change our spiritual eating habits. There's a different tree that stands on Calvary called the finished work of the cross. We got to eat from that tree. See, when I feed from what that tree produces, the man, Jesus, that tree gives me life and life abundantly. And once we eat from the right tree, we receive healing like we just talked about. I didn't know that that Julie was gonna say that during her prayer. I wrote this before she even did any of that. She said, uh, this is what I wrote. This is what the Holy Spirit told me. Once we eat from the right tree, we receive healing, and we can wrap ourselves in the cocoon of grace which is God's ability to perform what he started. And we become wrapped in his unconditional agape love that transforms our hearts. It's not behavior modification. It's his divine spirit influencing our hearts that changes us and transform us, transforms us into the image of Christ. And we can become... Not the very hungry caterpillar, but the butterfly. That's who you really are. That's you in Christ. You don't have to scrunch along the ground really slowly anymore. Working for your food. Working for your money. Working for whatever. Now understand, I get it. You have to do a job. I get it. But how about walking in that job and in your life in an unforced rhythm of grace? That's what God wants to do. And so, as we close, this is what God told me through the Holy Spirit. He said, There's an anointing today to break the yoke of bondage of religion. And so, we're going to sing a song called No Longer Slaves. We're just gonna sing this. And as we sing this, I wanna ask our, our prayer team to come up, even as we sing. So you can go ahead and stand up and join me. We're gonna sing this song because what, what Jesus is saying, what the Holy Spirit is saying is that you are no longer slaves to religion. You were, and understand that religion has a taskmaster master called fear. You're no longer a slave to fear. You are a child of God. And so as we sing this, if you in any way, shape or form are dealing with the anxiety that religion has produced, there is an anointing right now that the Holy Spirit wants to break that off of you right now so that you can what? Receive grace, His ability to do this.